Ladies and gents, we have another great guest on Off the Post, Joe Quinn of Power Edge Pro. He is Connor McDavid's skills coach. He is Connor McDavid's skating coach, all wrapped up in one. That's what they do at Power Edge Pro. It's a very blended process, a very blended program uh, where everything is working in unison. Joe, I promise, will explain it better on the other side of this intro. Um, but I'm John Mattis, the host of this podcast. A couple of thoughts on skating, by the way. It is such a weapon in today's NHL, even in lower levels, but let's keep it to the NHL. In today's NHL, to be a high-end skater, look no further than Matt Barzell and what he is doing for the Islanders in his first NHL season. A point-per-game player, a guy who wasn't drafted particularly high, uh, mid-first rounder, and... You know, he's got good hands, he can stick handle well, he's got very good vision, uh, pretty good shot. You know, you add up all the skills and, and you're getting a lot of check marks, but it's his skating that separates him from the pack. I mean, he, he's so quick, he can maneuver around defensemen easily, and it's the reason why he's ending up on on highlight reels, I and mean, it's, it's the reason why he's making everything look so easy. He is He's focused on his skating and also mixing that skating with skill, not just being fast, not just being quick, but being fast, quick, and productive. He can bury chances. He can make that pass. He can, uh, you know, stick handle around a defender, whatever. And I think the skating is just, just vaulting him to to new heights. Um, and that's just one example. You can go across the league and see that. Um, so anyways, that's my two cents on skating. And, and you ask any coach, any scout, any manager who is respected in hockey, and 99 out of 100 of them are probably going to say that skating is the number one skill in hockey today. And like it's, it's not rocket science, but if you had asked the same thing maybe 10 years ago, I don't know, I don't know if, if, if that's the answer. I don't know if there's 99 out of 100 that do that. It's probably closer to you know 75 out of 100. So... Um, we're really at a point where skating is is is, is peaking. It, it's really that important, and and not only to skate, but to skate with the puck and make things happen with the puck. Um, anyways, Joe Joe Quinn's on the other side. So is Michael Trakos, who as I've as I've mentioned before, will be co-hosting on occasion. Um, so that other voice you hear is Michael Trakos, and uh, we didn't get Joe for too long, but I think we got a lot out of him. Uh, considering the time constraints. So, enjoy. From the center of the hockey universe, this is the Off the Post podcast. Here with a special guest today on the phone, Joe Quinn of Power Edge Pro. He's the president and founder of that company, uh, he's a skills development coach. I'm also here with my colleague Michael Trakos. Um, we're talking to Joe today. It is Wednesday, if my memory serves correctly. Um, how's it going, Joe? I'm doing great, guys, and uh, thanks for having me on the call today. No problem. So, first and foremost, tell us about Power Edge Pro and what exactly you guys do, because I think uh, people might know the name, but they don't necessarily know exactly what makes you unique. Well, we're, I think we're pretty unique in what we do. We've kind of created this unique market for, you know, for ourselves here, and it's really taken off over the last uh, six, seven years. You're seeing a lot of the players now 
uh, come in. Obviously, the World Juniors, a lot of players in there now. Connor McDavid, a lot of the younger players coming up. And, uh, you know, really, it's a progressive training system, you know, small area progressive training system. And what we're doing is we're, you know, we're, we're basically overloading the motor skills and we're sinking the hands and the seat and the head together. And then we use innovative equipment that's that creates the resistance and the training concepts that require the player to, you know, execute, read and react counter tactics and maneuver the pucks through small space and using upper body. And it's all at high speed. And so, you know, when you set up these multiple training circuits, you know, it's, they're used with limited space. You're adding, you know, uh, degrees of difficulties, layers of progression. You're adding forward pressure. You're giving go movement. Just, you know, just to kind of simulate that authentic game transfer, and that's really what it does. The game transfer is really phenomenal. But through the repetitions, you know, the players gain the reactive countering agility needed, yeah. whether they're attacking or to place pressure on the opponents when defending. That's just kind of a quick summary on it. Now, Joe, I'm not going to suggest that you made Connor McDavid the skater that he is today or the skilled player that he is today, but definitely one of your bigger name clients that you've had uh, the pleasure of working with for a number of years. What, what can you tell me, uh, and we've had this discussion before, uh, about Connor um, implementing uh, the PEP system and what he was doing uh, before he even started working with you and um, what makes him sort of the, the perfect uh, player to work with in this kind of small space training? Well, he, he pushes me, that's for sure. You know, there's no time. Uh, he's all business training, but, you know, he's he's been doing this for obviously a lot of, you know, he's been doing it since he was 11 years old. He's he's now got probably 500,000 repetitions under his belt with this kind of training. Um, so he's developed great technique. I think he's got the best reactive countering skills, obviously, in the game. He's got the, one of the lowest tries to crossover ratio. He can execute multiple motor skills simultaneously, and you see that all the time. Um, you know, in terms of a skating, you'll see him go up the ice. He's got major undercut power. Um, you know, he's it's quick and powerful. He's got a great outside leg drive, and you know what? He usually he, he utilizes that edge control very efficiently with no power loss. But you know, don't see it's you know what they don't see is what's impressive. Everyone sees the obvious. He goes up the ice takes him seven seconds sometimes to get from his own net all the way up the ice. But he's doing this with maybe one or two strides, sometimes 100% crossovers all the way up the ice. And, you know, it's amazing when he when he cuts left or right, a lot of players in the game lose their speed when they have to change direction or if they have to counter with skills or move the puck. And they obviously have to recreate new energy, and Connor doesn't. And that's the big key. So he's very efficient. And, again, it's all because of that, you know, he's developed these elite motor skills over the years. Yeah, Joe, let's talk about McDavid for a second here. His second goal of this season, um, a pretty memorable one for most people, uh, but to to refresh everyone's memory, uh, he, they're against the Calgary Flames. He goes and just gets shot out of a cannon, it seemed like, and, and outraced TJ Brody, who's a very good skating defenseman, um, for the puck, and he has the puck on his stick, and he just he had a breakaway for half of the ice, and it was a great reminder that, that he's at another level in regards to skating. And one thing that stood out when you watch the replay is that he's taking crossovers constantly throughout, throughout his, his stretch down the ice. And uh, I've seen you, you say this to, to media people before that the average NHL player will cross over every 12 to 14 strides, but a guy like McDavid will do it every three to four strides. 
with that in mind, is is a crossover method something that that is able to be that that you can teach to every player, or does it take a, a certain player? Because it seems like why wouldn't every player try to cross over more often? It just seems like uh, so intuitive. Well, you know, in a perfect world, we'd love to have that, right? And again, that article, that information came from an article in TSN, I believe, uh, from Frank Sorvalli, that research. So, uh, yeah, and you look at the NHL, I think it's like 14 strides the average NHL um, takes before the NHL player takes before he executes crossover. So, yeah, his, his crossovers are huge. And, yeah, we'd love to see more of the crossover ratio with the younger players, but they don't do it. You know, they're focusing more on the on the circular crossover. So you're skating the circles, you're working on different muscle, you know, uh, you know, muscles and, and different power. For us, we developed, obviously, we call it a pep reactive linear crossover. We set up, when I was training Connor, we'd set up the circuits down 100 feet, and, you know, you got four of those units, and, and it's forcing the player to develop that low stride because you're taking the space away between the units. There's a lot of, there's a components going on here in elements you're crossing you're crossing over puck is going under the open lane he's got to he's got to activate the outside shoulder um he's got to move the puck ahead get ready to cross All kinds of repetitions sorry i'm just getting beat. <laughs> that's okay <clears throat> sorry about that um but usually it's those repetitions that are creating that high cross muscle so it's repetition that was the warm-up we did you know, every day at the academy, that is so key, and it's one skill that I think everybody has to master. Is that? Yeah, just my signal is a little bit weak here, just along the border here. So sorry about that. Uh, hopefully, it, we can, it stays there. I have another question about McDavid. He has this trademark breakaway move, where he's just absolutely flying down the ice, has all the ice in the world, and is coming full steam ahead at at the goaltender and he just stops on a dime sort of snows the goalie and is just able to, to, to do it so smoothly, keep control of the puck and score. I've seen him do it. I swear. I don't know, eight to 10 times. It's, it's pretty incredible. And, and I think most people probably know what I'm talking about when I, when I bring up him just stopping on a dime. Um, was that something that you taught him? Was that something that you saw on TV and went, Whoa, never seen that one before. Like, how what's what's your reaction when he does something like that because you've worked with him for so long well hey connor does all kinds of things that i've seen for years he's been doing that for a long time since he was probably 11 years old but again it comes back to he's because of of the skill set that he has he can go down the ice at full speed and he's giving a lot of false information you don't see and he's moving sticks but when he comes in he gives that false information he's got he's got his edges doing something else he's got his hands doing something else and he can execute all that at full speed. That's the key. So, you know, again, it's back to that elite motor skill development, all those kinds of repetitions. And obviously that's why I want to see the younger kids getting those kinds of reps so you can execute at high speed because obviously the game is at, you know, full speed. We got we see lots of great skaters now, but not all those skaters can execute like Connor, obviously, at full speed. And that's, that's the key for him, being able to do it at full speed. Now, Joe, uh, a month just the, on that same topic about the next generation, are you of the mind that the, the next generation is just going to kind of keep ramping up this speed, especially with Hockey Canada implementing uh, cross-ice uh, hockey for its youngsters? And I wonder if you're a proponent of that and what, what you're seeing out of that next generation of player, if we're going to see maybe not 
quite a, the same uh, level of player as uh, Connor McDavid, but almost Connor-like uh, players uh, coming up, uh, especially when you look at guys like Austin Matthews having played three-on-three hockey. It just seems like the trend is going smaller, uh, smaller ice or smaller space uh, training, similar to what you're doing with PEP um, and, and across the board. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's funny. I don't know where it went. I was training. I grew up in Sault Ste. Marie, and I was doing cross-ice uh, games at 5 in the morning through the week hmm. in the early 70s, and there'd be three games going on at once. So I don't know where it went. So it's been there, and you know they're trying to resurrect it now, and it's obviously uh, it's phenomenal, the cross-ice. You know, it's counterproductive to think that players are going to develop more on big ice. With all the extra space, they got lots of time and space to execute opposite of what it is for, you know, development. And there's no motor skill development. So I'm a major proponent of the of the cross-ice. And traveling across the country, working with, you know, different governing bodies and associations and pro teams, I see it, you know, even with the pro players we, we work with, 60% of the time we're, we're training the pro team, the players in one zone. But, you know, when I see these young players at Tyke and Novice, especially the defensemen, um, playing full ice and trying to fire the puck off the glass, up the ice. To me, I'm thinking, imagine telling Bobby Orr this. We want you to fire the puck off the glass, Bobby. Um, you know, you know, let's advance the puck through skills. I just, you know, I don't, I don't like that. I want to see the developing player advance the puck through his skills, not structure. And, you know, when you're, you're increasing the spontaneous play with cross ice, you have react and counter much more. There's less time and space. And that D-man in cross ice, he advances the puck four feet maybe instead of 30 to his teammates. He's more engaged, there's more passes, more attempts. Exactly what you said from the development from, you know, the different players out there. Um, but there's more puck recovery opportunities. You know, when you lose the puck, you've got to recover the puck. So there's endless benefits. Um, and again, players have to be, they've got to combine that agile physical movement with the puck while, you know, processing information in their head on what space they're going to exploit and how to respond to the actions of that opposing player. That's what cross-ice does for you. Now, that's not going to happen on the big ice because you're taking, you're giving them the space. So right. I can't imagine somebody not being a major proponent of cross-ice. You've worked with John Tavares, a guy who famously struggled to skate at an elite level back when he's a teenager. A very strong skater now, but there was a point where there were critics out there saying this guy it's just not a high-end skater. Um, so you've worked on that with him, and it's there's obviously been a lot of progress in that area. Same goes for Taylor Hall and tweaking things with his skating. So there's there's clearly a path to take uh, for improving your skating and getting to that, that really upper echelon. But there are some guys who are just really good skaters early on in their career. Uh, I think of Andreas Athanasiu, the Detroit Red Wings forward. Uh, back in junior... He had blazing speed, just would infatuate everybody in the rink, get them out of their seats because he was just that quick. Um, but the problem with him back back then, it, it's been corrected now, uh, was that his, his hands and his feet and his mind, they weren't connected. There was no syncing up between the three. Um, so he'd be on a breakaway or he'd receive a pass and it just he'd fumble it or something. And he had good hands. It's just when he was going fast, he couldn't figure it out. So I'm wondering... With those types of guys, is that a maturity thing where their body and mind will eventually sync up? Or is it because they haven't been trained properly? Is it one of those two or is it both? Well, obviously, if I had a choice of getting a player at 27 years old 
or a 10-year-old, I'm taking the 10-year-old because there's not a yeah, the bad habits aren't there. The nervous system hasn't been developed. And the motor skills have been developed for the older players. So, you know, with John Tavares and Taylor Hall, for example, like when they first came, you know, they, they struggle with the reacting and countering. So when they had to move the puck and execute something with their feet at the same time, that puts a lot of pressure on those two motor skills. So, But it takes time. So over time, you know, obviously John – He's had two phenomenal seasons, and the things that he's doing there now are just amazing. And he's already a superstar. Taylor Hall, the same. You know, he he's a fantastic skater, one of the fastest, most powerful skaters in the NHL, but had trouble moving pucks to space when we wanted him to, and having to execute the feet at the same time. But over the summer, he's made huge improvements. So some players, like you said, they they've got the speed, but it, it's it doesn't happen overnight. They've got to get those repetitions of reacting and countering. And I, I believe that's what the next generation of player looks like. You know, the ho- all hockey training to me should put demands on the player that require reactions of the hands and the feet and the mind altogether, not just the feet. A lot of the, the biggest mistakes people make is they train, they go to trainers for their skating and then trainers for their stick handling. Neither, neither are working simultaneously. So you, you're taking space away. You're adding more levels of speed. All those layers of progressions, you know, this fires all the muscle groups together, unlike isolated training. So, yeah, it's just harder when they get older, for sure. But over time, you know, it might take a, a pro player two or three summers to get where you want them to be. But a 10-year-old can, you know, in two months, they can make huge gains because they're they're undeveloped. Their motor skills are undeveloped. When you're talking about that next generation, and there's a couple guys that you've already mentioned. One of them is Jack Hughes. Um uh, who's already in the development program with the U.S., uh, who's going to be draft eligible in, a, I think, two or three years now. His brother's draft eligible, I believe, this year, um, Quinn. Um, he's a guy that's been working with you uh, for a number of years. Are you of the mindset that the NHL, as fast as it is today, um, w- with guys like Jack and um, just with this cross-ice training, that we are going to see um, the level of speed and just skill just completely ramp up and, um, 10 years from now, we're going to look back at games in the, in the early 2000s and go, geez, how slow was the NHL back then? Oh, no question. You're seeing, you know, we see advancements in equipment and everything else. Why not training? Um, but my son's been training Jack in Toronto uh, for a while, and obviously Quinn, his brother. And again, same thing, great speed, lots of skill, um, and has made huge gains with the training. But, uh, I, you know, for me, I want all these players having fun and I see the future of hockey for players obviously developing in a perfect world, higher response time, faster decision time, quicker movement speed through the high speed circuit so they can make plays at full speed and under pressure. And I know when uh, we had a pro camp in Toronto and Nick said, you, you know, we want to invite Jack Hughes. I said, well, it's for pros and, and he's 16 years old. And so, no, you, you, we should have him in there. And sure enough, you know, we made, you know, gave an exemption to come in and, he stepped right in, and he had the skill, you know, NHL skill and doing things that some of the, the pro top pros weren't doing. So, again, these younger players that are coming up through, uh, you know, different various areas of Canada. We have we have some kids that are 05s that are playing at AAA, 03 level, and their their skills are off the charts. So I believe this is the future. Where And it makes sense, right? You're, you're overloading the motor skills. Why not have everything working in sync? And when they acquire these skills, they can extend more plays. They handle the puck in high-speed traffic better. They're generally able to execute at higher speed for sure because they're practicing in that environment. 
this goes back to the old training methods. We've got, you know, the power skating without pucks, to me, that, that's gone. You know, the pylon isn't stimulating. It's not captivating a player. It's not creating any kind of creativity or engagement. So I look at this as the, you know, reactive environments, and this kind of training is definitely uh, the future for, for, for young players. Joe, we talk about guys like Connor McDavid, and, and the thing that comes to to mind is just how fast he is, how, how quick he is, you know, his acceleration. But there's also excellent skaters who are just shifty, who which McDavid is to an extent. But I'm thinking of guys like, you know, Jeff Skinner, Jeremy Bracco, where they're using this edge work. They're kind of maneuvering around the ice in, in, in kind of a like a snaky way. Um what what factors into that is is that is some of that physical where these guys are a little more flexible than than the next guy or is that you know practicing your edge work you know day after day and it just comes to them where does that come from? Well, I think there's a lot of truth to that the athletes an athlete you know and the you know the year round hockey training is you know, saying hey get become an athlete play, play baseball play squash you've got to work on all kinds of different muscles firing different muscles not just you know, the same all the time with skating. But, you know, Jeff Skinner, you know, was a was a, almost a national figure skating championship so, right. champion. So he's got those edges and whatnot initially from the uh, figure skating. So lots of great skaters there that, you know, probably have had small area training. But even when we get Jeff and some of the players, they still struggle with the counter. So to me, the counter is the key. When you have to counter and do something at the same time, it's that overloading and the multitasking again. So no matter how great the skater, when they when they have to move the puck and they have to counter, that's when you see them struggle. And even some of those great skaters struggled when we set up our circuits. So, uh, but definitely an athlete's an athlete. I think you know if he's a better athlete, he's going to be a better player for sure. And one last question, Joe. Um, when it comes to approaching defensemen versus forwards, just general kind of wide broad strokes here. How, how do you do that? Do you is every player different, and 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 that goes down to position as well. With a defenseman, do you do you just map their plan completely different, or is skating skating? No, no, hundred percent. The D, you know, obviously we've got D specific. I mean, the reactive countering applies to forwards and D. And if a D is, we develop a D that's that's got great reaction skills. He can a great reactive agility. He's super mobile then obviously he's going to put pressure on the opponent's team to forecheck them. They're going to have, they're going to struggle to forecheck or set up a forecheck on that kind of a D. So even if he's a great skater, I mean, just watching the NHL this week, every night I watch the games and I see defensemen skating up the ice and I see them creating separation. They explode up to the blue line and just before they make the pass, their feet aren't moving. They're in the glide position or they slow down. And this happens all the time, whether it's a forward or a D, a forward trying to enter the zone tries to, you know, maybe execute some false information to gain body positioning, but his feet are in the glide position, same as the D. So, again, it's all about putting the player in a position that we want him to execute. Maybe it's pedaling backwards and moving the puck through 17 inches and then and have to create an escape, but it's about executing everything at once. And all you have to do is watch the games, even at the highest level, and you'll see defensemen that, you know, a good example is Morgan Riley. He can pedal backwards across the line, and make a pass at the same time his feet are moving. But you'll see a lot of D, they'll, they'll, they'll try to move the puck up the ice, and there they are in the glide position. So, But definitely, this applies to all defense forwards. It's, uh, it's not just for forwards. Absolutely. Skating's really never been more important than it is today. Joe, thanks for uh, coming on uh, and really just offering some, some unique insight. It was a pleasure.
pleasure, guys. Thanks. Anytime. 